so much. That was just great. Fantastic. If you stick through the whole service, we're going to get a bit of a reprise at the end as well, so we can continue to enjoy them. I hope you heard the message of that song, though. You know, we are the church, you know. We're building His kingdom. And uh, we're doing Vision Builders. We're kicking off Vision Builders today, and that's launching us. The words of that song are so true. It launches us into a bigger picture, a bigger vision, that we're part of something huge that God is doing here on the earth. So we're going to just jump straight in now. And, uh, you know, as we talk about Vision Builders, so often the, the challenge that comes with that is to be givers. Now, we are in a series, The Blessed Life. We're actually marrying this into our Vision Builders uh, season. And the truth of the matter is that as uh, we're blessed, we're blessed to be givers. Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is really the heart of everything we want to say, that if you want to sum up how to be blessed, it's to be a giver. That's how you enter into the blessed life. Jesus' words there for blessed is a word that could be translated happy. Not always, but, but it's sort of one of the, the versions you could come up with. You're going to have a better life, a happier life, if you're a giver than if you're a taker, if you're somebody that hoards. So we're going to be talking about that. Now, for the last couple of weeks, though, I hope you've been getting, and this is where I want to narrow down in today, I hope you've been getting the heart of what we're talking about when we talk about giving, and that is the heart, that the heart is central to everything we do. You know, I want to say really clearly, we as a church lose a battle if we get great finances, if we reach all our vision builder goals, but as a church, we give in a sense grudgingly or we give because we have to or because just because it's what's expected of us because God will be mad at me if I don't give or it's my way of being accepted to give. Just to say it clearly, you can never be more accepted by God than you are right now in this moment. I mean, this sort of truth is the truth that's got to sink into our hearts. You cannot be more accepted by God, every single one of you. Some people are already thinking, man, doesn't know what happened to me this week, what went on in my life, the conversations I've had, the things I've thought, the things I've done. You can't be more accepted than you are right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And out of that flows a freedom to be able to give, but that's got to touch our heart. It's got to flow out of our heart. But the truth is, sorting out this heart is not always easy. Now, when we're born again, the Spirit of God regenerates our heart. He changes our nature. Like Once upon a time, we weren't even giving was the last thing on our mind or whatever the issue might be. Because we had a heart that was pointed away from God. We get regenerated by the Spirit of God and suddenly the inclinations of our heart are towards God, are for God, for the things that He wants in us. That's the great news. But what's hard is sometimes working that out into our life is not always easy. We all know we just have this old fleshly body that's got all sorts of ideas and ways and habits ingrained in us. And our challenge then is to work it out, is to continue to let our heart speak to us, but train our heart so that it comes out and it shows itself in a very real way. God is interested in the heart. 
So it's a great story that we're going to share from today. I mean, how do we work out these truths, these inclinations of our heart into our life? Well, we read this book. It gives us wisdom and insight and inspiration and knowledge and how to. We're going to read from Luke chapter 19. We're going to read about a guy who had his heart changed and it flowed out of his life. Zacchaeus is who we're reading about. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will give, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So what? Do we know here? Zacchaeus is a tax collector. We know this. His whole world is about getting money, about keeping money, about being miserly. Basically, he robbed people legally. He, he, he forced his way in and he built up wealth. His whole world system, his worldview was on holding on to finances and money. It's how he made a name for himself. People, he wasn't tall in stature, but people knew that was Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector in the region watch out for that guy and he loved it that's what his life was devoted to but in in, in it seems in an instant or in in this this moment here his heart is changed radically the whole inclination of his heart it was take it was rob it was steal it was keep it was be wealthy it was look after myself but something happens to him and he sees differently and he thinks differently his heart is differently, is different. And maybe I just want to say this, you're here today and you're like Zacchaeus. You've spent your whole life like Zacchaeus. I mean, maybe you're not a tax collector, and apologies if anybody here does work for the ATO. You horrible person, you. Jesus loves you. But your whole life has been about one thing, and I sort of mean this seriously. You might, it might not be money for you, but your whole life, you get the premise of his life. He was a mean, miserly life. For you, it might be having people look at you because you're beautiful and that's what matters to you. For you, it might be being fit. For you, it might be the pleasures of life. For you, it might be sexual pleasure. For you, it might be indulgences for you it might be power in your work for you it might be elevating yourself in the business world what is it for you that causes you to live one direction to cause you to 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 cause everybody to come and look and see who I am this is what my life is built on because we learned something today we see that Zacchaeus had his heart changed that in a radical moment Things change for Zacchaeus. 
Who here wishes that their life wasn't so bound up in the, in the stuff? Well, we see from this passage of Scripture that there is hope. What, what happens? It says Jesus reached the spot and he looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And he comes down immediately. You know, first of all, he catches a revelation, I think, of acceptance in that moment. You know, I want to say this, this is where it all begins and it all ends. Our worship songs today were just so on this theme. Jesus, you're the center of it all. Whenever we talk about anything, we begin and we end with the revelation, the grace of Jesus in our lives. What we see on paper here doesn't really make sense. Zacchaeus just climbed a tree. It's not like climbing trees is how we change our heart. We know that. But something deeper takes place. Is it in that moment? I'm not sure. But Jesus looks at him and calls his name. This is a guy that everybody's hated his whole life, that everyone's walked past, that everyone's turned away from. He's not invited to the parties. But Jesus sees him and he calls his name. And I think in that moment, Zacchaeus feels a love and an acceptance and a grace goes beyond anything he's ever understood suddenly the deepest longing in his heart is answered is met suddenly he senses a love flooding over him suddenly he knows that the other stuff doesn't matter so much that he's that he's loved i believe something happened in that moment i believe he connected with the eyes of jesus and his heart is changed And it gives every single one of us here hope that the way to to that freedom in our life comes in a revelation of who Jesus is. It's where it all begins. It's where it all ends. As we move on now into the challenge of how that's played out, it begins and it ends with Jesus. So he sees Jesus and his heart is changed. But Zacchaeus teaches us something. For him... It happens quick. I love his obedience. I love the way he lives out his faith. For him, radically, almost immediately out of his heart flows a desire to be a giver. To not leave it there. To not just get a radical transformation that he holds on to here, but let it flow out of his life. Notice what Jesus calls him. He says, you are a son of Abraham. In other words, you're a son of faith. In other words, you get it. You're willing to let it flow out of your life. You're, le- you're willing to be radical in the way it, it finds its way out of you. And it causes him to act out in faith, not just up here, but outside. See, so often it's just something that we, we sort of get out here, but the full fruition is when we let it play out in our life. Zacchaeus gets it. But how do we get it? How do we carry on? It's not like that for all of us to get a revelation and then an instantaneous sense of how I make this happen in my life. And Jesus knows that because he gives us instruction about how we dig in and how we deal with the issues of the heart. So let's have a look at some of these things. What does Jesus say about the heart? Let's turn to Matthew six nineteen to 21. It says, don't store up yourself for yourselves treasure on earth, Jesus talking, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But 
Store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lesson number one from Jesus. By the way, treasure also means possession and riches, my stuff, my money, my things. Jesus is saying, you got a problem with your heart? You got a problem with your heart? Where are you putting your treasure? Is what Jesus would say. Where are you putting your treasure? Mostly we would go, my, as long as my heart is for that thing, then I'll put my treasure into it. And certainly that happens. But Jesus is saying, I want to dig in and deal with the issues of the heart. So let me give you some insight as to how you do that. You let your treasure go first. Lead with your treasure. Lead with your faith. That's where you lead with and your heart will follow after it. That's step number one to deal with the issues of the heart because he's more interested in the heart than the finance. He wants to deal with your heart. So what are we saying here? Where's your treasure? I mean, I've heard teachers talk on this passage before. They say, go and check your bank statement. You'll find out where your treasure is really quickly. Is it on gaming? Is it on the stock market? Is it in cars? Is it in renovating houses? Where is your treasure? If your treasure is in uh, the share market, that's like where you're pouring all money. And understand this is a principle here. It's not saying if you've got shares, you're an evil person. But if you're pushing everything into the share market, your treasure, then this is what's going to happen. I, I guarantee that's where your heart is. I guarantee you're checking the stock market in the paper. You've got one of those little apps. Things are alerting you. What's going on? Because I'm interested to know because my heart is following that thing. What about if it was in houses, in renovating? If it's in renovating, I bet you're watching. What are you watching on Sunday night? Tell me. All, all of them. There's hundreds of them, those shows. can hardly believe it. My house rules and my kitchen rules and I don't know. They're all the same. I'm rumbling with the block or whatever it is. I mean, two channels are now fighting each other. It's incredible. There's so much about that stuff. If your heart's in food, you're watching MasterChef. You, you understand what I'm saying? You, it, wherever your treasure is, that's what you're going to be doing. That's what you're going to be into. And Jesus says, I understand that problem. I understand that issue. Here's my solution. Sort out where you put your treasure. Change it. Because there's a way, there's an answer to sorting this stuff out. So challenging thought, all of this. It's Jesus' thought, by the way. It's what Jesus is saying. Jesus has put your treasure and your heart will follow it. He's giving us a way to sort out our heart. So it's a little bit like this. You might say, I don't have a heart for vision builders. Oh, we're into vision builders. I didn't realize it was vision builders Sunday. That's the mission stuff, all of that stuff. I don't have a heart for that stuff. Just got a heart for... My stuff, you know? I got my heart is here. Jesus would say, No problem. You don't have a heart for Papua New Guinea? Give to it. Invest in it. Sort out your heart. Give. Invest. Go. Travel. Give your time, your talent, and your treasure. And watch your heart follow after that thing. You talk to anybody who's been on a Papua New Guinea trip, they're all interested suddenly in Papua New Guinea. They want to know about it. What's going on? They pray about it. They talk about it. They, they get inspired, inspires out. And they're flipping over. Where's, is there any information about Papua New Guinea? 
And the CRI people that are pouring their time and their energy and the effort into CRI, they want to know about CRI. Their heart is following after the thing that they're putting their treasure into. So be real careful when you say, well, my heart's not into that thing. Jesus gives us the answer. Sort out your heart by putting your treasure into something. A guarantee that it will change your heart. You say, I'm struggling with Catalyst Church. I mean, I'm talking about this Catalyst Church. This church, always talking about stuff, I don't know. Give to it. Hey, give to it. Pour your treasure into it. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. And you watch your heart start to change as you're investing yourself in it. You can't help but do that. You, you think about if you've given to vision builders, not a beat up, any of this. Not, I really mean that. It's not a beat up. But if you've given to vision builders and you've stretched yourself with the building project, you are interested, right? Every week you walk down that, that corridor, that street, you're looking, what's going on? Is it working? Is it, is it, is it, well, I, I have people come up to me all the time. How's it going? Is the building going up okay? Has there been any problems? We actually have a bit of an issue at the moment that we're, we're working through, and a bunch of you, it's not a secret, you can ask anyone, but I'm having people all the time say, where's it, where's it up to? How are we going? You know, is there any more news? And if you're interested in that, there isn't more news. We're still following along, watching very carefully. But everyone wants to know because we're invested. And this is what Jesus says really simply. Jesus says, I want your heart. I don't just want your finances. I want your heart. And if you're trying to work out how to have a hungry heart for God, don't just wait for your heart to lead you. It's a little bit of a faith step, but lead your heart with your finances. This is Jesus' step, and it's step one, basically. But then let's look on, because there's some more principles that help us understand that he's so into our heart. Notice what he says here. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but, he says, but lay out for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, that's interesting. Why does he say that? Does he say that because he needs our money? I mean, do you think for a second God needs our money in heaven? Like God's like worried, where's the paycheck coming this week? Is there any chance of that? No, he's not worried about that. I do think God uses our finances, and I think it is important that we give. I don't want to sort of give a perception that it's, he's indifferent to it, but it's it's not a, a necessity for God. God owns it all. Why is he saying that? Well, I think Jesus is giving an eternal perspective here. This is another thing that money giving can do that changes our heart. It gives us an eternal perspective. He's saying, don't just think about this earth and this lifetime because there's another lifetime coming and another place where you will have wanted to lay up for yourself treasures into the future. He's really saying, and maybe you're into investing here, he's saying, have you invested for your future? But it's not this lifetime, it's the next lifetime, it's into eternity. We don't talk about this little passage that often. But have you invested for yourself into eternity? Now, why would we have to have treasure for ourselves into eternity? Do you want my answer for that? Anybody want my answer? I don't really know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about that next life, heaven, and what we'll be doing. We get lots of hints. 
will be ruling and reigning. Here's what I don't think we'll be doing, just like sitting on clouds playing harps with the angels, right? I don't think that's God's plan for the future. I think God has such an exciting future for us planned. And I do think he wants us to get a glimpse that it's not just about now, this simple little life that we live. 70 years and we all think we're all so important that it's all about the now. He's saying, prepare yourself because 70 years as opposed to an eternity, which one's longer? Somebody tell me. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? He's saying, store up for yourself treasure for eternity because there's a better day coming. And you're going to need that treasure for the rest of eternity, is what he's saying to us. I mean, that's got to challenge our thinking when it comes to giving. So, we take a fresh look at things. Think about it like this. It would be a little bit like if I was moving house. And let's just imagine that I had a priceless painting. Now, this painting is actually from my house. It's... um, we actually got it in China when we were supporting uh, Scott and Tracy in China and uh, Jess and I went and visited. It's an original. I think it's worth 10 or 20,000 cents, something like that. <laughs> but imagine this is priceless. Like, this is a Rembrandt, just for the example's sake. And I'm moving house. And like this, this beautiful painting sitting up on, on my house wall and I'm going to move to another house over there somewhere. And the movers come in and they go, right, okay, we're going to going to move the Rembrandt now. So don't touch the Rembrandt, it's too priceless. Just leave the Rembrandt on the wall. Like, oh, I, I thought you were moving house. Yeah, yeah, I'm moving house, but don't touch the, it's, it, it belongs here. Just leave it right where it is. But aren't you leaving, aren't you moving house? You're not coming back to this house. No, I'm never coming back to this house. But I just don't want you to touch that beautiful painting. I mean, what would the movers do? They'd be like, what? Don't you want to Put that thing in the next place, the next house? Don't you want to store up for yourself like the treasure where, it, where it's going to last, where it matters? I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to do that, but imagine if I did it and I left it hanging on the wall and then I go to the next house. I move, I've left that house, I can never go back there. But it doesn't really make sense. And this is a little bit what Jesus is saying here about that life and this life. He's saying, don't leave your treasure in that life. Don't store up for yourself treasure in that life. He's saying, invest in your future. And to just push the example a little bit more, I wonder how much time we'll spend in that next life, in that eternity, going, I left so much back there. I now understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, lay up for yourself treasure into the eternal perspective. See, this is not just about another selfish way, by the way, of of viewing giving. I'm not just trying to find a little angle here that's like, oh, this is really about me, although it is. I mean, there is a truth in that. We're actually investing into ourselves, into the future. But I think Jesus is really trying to train our heart also for the here and now. He's saying, if you understand that, you start to see eternity. You start to get some perspective on this life as opposed to the eternal life. You start to understand that the things that come against you in this life, the struggles and the trials, then just they're shrug your shoulders sort of stuff. And I'm not minimizing them, but when we think about eternity, they're small, they're not a big deal. 
And as we give and we really get the heart of what Jesus is saying, and we challenge our heart because you just can't get it up here, you've got to do it, and you start to go, that stuff, that doesn't matter as much as that stuff. I've got joy because I'm giving to my future, to eternity. And you could talk a whole lot more about that. There's other scriptures that talk about winning friends now that you'll have with you for the rest of eternity. Maybe that's what the treasure is. But the point Jesus is making, again, is disciple your heart. Speak to your own heart. Challenge your own heart about the future. Get some joy about you because of the way you're giving, because it matters where you give and how you give. And there's an eternal perspective to have. Let's keep looking at the heart of Zacchaeus. We actually see that he understands this concept of joy or the right attitude as we give. Luke 19 verse 6, it says, So he came down from the tree at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus receives Jesus joyfully, gladly, and he gives joyfully. Our heart doesn't just give. Jesus doesn't want us just to give. He wants us to give joyfully. He wants us to give with a sense of what Jesus has given to us. It's not just a matter of giving. Deal with your heart. Allow giving to challenge your heart and give with joy. Just shared a great scripture last week. And again, it's Old Testament, but it's all about dealing with the heart. Listen to it. It's Deuteronomy 15.7. If there's a poor man among you, your brothers in any of the towns of the land that your Lord is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. In other words, deal with your heart. Verse 10, give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then he goes on and talks about, then you'll be blessed. Interesting that the blessing comes when you don't have a grudging heart. The New King James says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. See, our hearts can be directed to give. I'm just trying to give a few of the examples of how Jesus is trying to deal with our heart. We might say, all right, I'm going to direct my heart and I'm going to give with a perspective of eternity. But Jesus is saying here, the scripture is telling us, make sure that there is joy in the way that you give. You know, this is really true for those of us that have already been giving to Vision Builders. We're actually year two of a, of a year of a three-year plan at the moment so for many people it's like well I'm already giving to vision builders I'm already on my journey there's not a lot of thinking required over this next year or two years I'm already invested in all of this I actually felt this strongly to share about this you may have been giving and you may be on your way but maybe there's a little bit of grief associated with your giving that's possible Maybe it's cost you a little bit more than you expected. Maybe there's a, you're looking and going, oh, I'm only one year out, two years more of this stuff. This is hard stuff. It's cost. There's a challenge associated with this. I do believe there's blessing, but I tell you what, God will always use these things to train our heart, to deal with our heart. Who's ever, you don't have to put your hand up for this one, but given, and things haven't got better, you've, in the short term, at the very least, it feels like things have got worse as you've given, as you've stretched, and if you, you've stepped out on a bit of a limb. Maybe you lost a client, or maybe the tax bill was higher, maybe the wheel of your caravan fell off. There's a story if you don't know that story. 
Maybe your vacuum has broken. Maybe your kid has to go on a school trip to Canberra and uh, you look at the bill and wonder if you're ever going to be able to eat again. That's just a generic example. Uh, It's got nothing to do with our family or anything like that. I mean, just maybe these things are training opportunities for our heart. Because Jesus, the scriptures here give us pretty clear wisdom. Where's your heart at in all of this? Sometimes there's a challenge associated with it and a cost. God doesn't need our money. He needs our heart. He needs our hearts to be joyful. I mean, he, he loves us to give, but he needs our heart to be joyful as we give. I just say, learn the lessons that giving is trying to teach you. Because they're going to count for eternity. You don't have to get them right. But I think you'll have a lesser eternity. I think you'll wish you sorted some of that stuff out into eternity. This is a great chance to challenge your heart. Ask yourself the question, well, who do I trust? Uh, things have got harder, okay. Who do I trust? Where's my provision from? Who's God? What do I have to realign? You know, it's not just a nice thought. Jesus gave freely to us and he allows us to give freely. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you've received, freely give. If you go back to Zacchaeus, this is how Zacchaeus gives. He's tight-fisted. He's mean-spirited. He robs. Yet within, maybe, it's either moments depending on how you interpret it or a couple of hours after he's been with Jesus it doesn't really matter his whole life is turned around and he's giving freely did climbing a tree do that to Zacchaeus or did an encounter with Jesus did an understanding of the grace of Jesus in his life touch his life we give with joy our ability to give comes out of the fact that we've been given to now here's a challenging thought if you struggle in the area of giving, and we all do at times, but if you're struggling to give freely and with joy, it may mean that currently or for a while, you've been struggling to receive with joy, to receive freely, that your heart hasn't fully understood grace or you have to reconnect yourself with that grace, that overflowing grace that's available to you. If you're having a difficulty giving freely, maybe you haven't been receiving freely. I was just going to let that sink home a bit. Who's having, don't put your hand up, but difficulty giving freely? Are you having trouble receiving His grace? Now, why do we have trouble receiving His grace? I think there's good reasons for that. We live in a world system that is all about earn it, earn your way, earn your keep. You've got to be good enough. God will only accept you if you... If you meet this criteria, sort this one out, go to church that many Sundays, sort it out. This is how God, this is the sort of God that we serve. And this, this sort of legalism can creep into our thinking, certainly into us as a church. This, sort, this thinking, if, I, if I've earned it then, I've got to protect it. It flows into our life. I earned this money, it's my money. So I hold on to it. You know, at the end of the day, it's God's blessing. We have to work, I'm for working. But it's God's blessing on our life that comes down. You talk to the farmers up north at the moment that are struggling. They're working harder than any of us. But the rain isn't coming. The blessing isn't there. It's God that gives the blessing and we change our attitude. And we realize, God, it is you that gives this blessing. It's you that gave your son. 
It's your grace that touches my life. See, giving freely shows you understand the grace of Jesus in your life. So going back to the top, that's why I'm as a pastor, I'm so desperate for us to understand this because I want us to give, not out of compulsion or rule of law, but understand the freedom we have that compels us to give. I've always liked how Mark Driscoll used to put it, and I don't know if he came up with it, but he has this little saying. He says, I don't have to, but I get to. So I don't have to come to church, but I get to come to church. I don't have to serve the body of Christ, but I get to serve the body of Christ. I don't have to give, but I get to give. And that comes out of a sense of the freedom that we have in Christ. I am compelled to be a generous person because of the grace of Christ poured down into my life. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it's called the grace of giving there. It says, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in your love, make sure you don't forget this one, the grace of giving. It was an issue for the New Testament Christians. They were challenged. Paul was actually talking to them quite directly, saying, hey, you're pretty good at some of the other things, but you've got to sort this one out in your life. Excel in the grace of giving. And he goes on, we'll talk about it at the end. He says, but your heart, it's about the heart. Sort out your heart. So to understand giving, you've got to understand love and His grace. Just how generous He is. And we start to get that eternal perspective. Start to understand the things I go through aren't a big deal. That if nothing else happened in my life that I would count as a blessing, I am blessed because Jesus has loved me. And He died for me and He put His grace onto my life. And suddenly I can give freely. And by the way, God is a good Father, He's a good God, and He does, it pleases Him to pour down blessings on us that, that move beyond just the, that eternal perspective. And Zacchaeus sees this, and changes his heart, and he becomes a giver. So we're going to watch an AV now that talks about our different areas of vision and mission in our church. And you've got the booklets many of you will have seen from last year. You know, as you watch this, I challenge you not to think about dollars and cost and struggle. I just challenge you to ask yourself about your own heart. What is the Spirit of God whispering to you about your heart? Do you need to direct your heart to follow God? Do you need to get an eternal perspective? Do you need to have some joy about your giving and deal with that grief? It's not about guilt, but God wants to speak to our hearts. So let Him do that. And let's be encouraged and inspired together as we look at what we can give to and be a part of. What is our vision here at Catalyst Church? that brings hope, education, healthcare, life change, the gospel. 
to kids in the slum areas of Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. This is an area which really hasn't been touched to date. It's a very difficult area. We're partnering with the Gateway Church from Melbourne with Pastor Rick Painter, who's been involved in this ministry for many years. And we're really excited to see what can happen into the future with our closest neighbour, to see kids being raised up out of poverty, being educated and going into the world and changing their nation for Jesus. Our support, our teen trips over there help to transform the lives of individuals in the northern regions of India. Transformational centres are built so that pastors can come and learn what it means to be a pastor and they go into unreached and oppressed villages of northern India to plant churches and bring the hope of Christ into that nation. Our partnership with this great ministry will go on into the future to see thousands, millions more people touched for the love of Christ. And then in Ethiopia, we're blessed to have a church partnership over there with Compassion and hundreds of children sponsored by individuals and families within this church. We're excited that we can be involved with the lives of these families to bring a difference, again, for the advancement of God's kingdom into this country. Because of your giving and generosity, I believe we will continue to see lives changed far across this earth. So let's talk about NIA. We're involved in a multitude of national and local ministry which enables us in a powerful way to impact our kingdom. Firstly, ministries such as Vital Projects are literally changing our world through the empowerment of local chaplains to teach kingdom values. Young people's lives are being turned around. By the way, this ministry is spreading and influencing the whole world. I think sometimes we underestimate what this ministry is doing. Do you know that hundreds, actually thousands of young children are experiencing the love of Christ because this church stood up and made a great investment? Let's be honest, an overwhelming problem in our Western world is death. It's crippling and it destroys families. Did you know that Cap Dead Center's motto is actually to release people from death? In the last year alone, multitudes of people have been helped as our workers have gone into homes and been the hands and feet of Jesus and released people from death and given them a future. And going back to the top, we have the local church, the hope of the world. We're so privileged to be a part of A2A, our movement. They're all about equipping and coaching local church pastors and leaders so that they too can then go on and make a massive difference in the lives of people and churches all across this nation. aspect of our vision here remember our discovery is that everything that we do here is a part of our vision certainly in two ways number one the structural components all come together to ensure this is a place where we meet together and a place that we love to have community together and number two we've got to make this a place where it's easy for people to connect with God Cafe will enable us to connect in a vibrant and open community and fulfill our mission to connect with people and practice community. A hub for activity and growth, the Campus Hub. This will be the front door for all we do here at Catalyst. This space will be our gathering point in the life of Catalyst. 
People will be drawn to this space and from this point be able to navigate to the major areas of the church, such as the auditorium, cafe, and offices. It is multifunctional with its ability to host anything from markets and live music to projects and information display stations. The Campus Hub is our platform to connect with people. You know, this stuff has eternal differences, eternal consequences linked to it. And I really hope you hear it with an ear of accomplishment and also vision and passion and, I guess, challenge for the future. You know, with all the fences and building materials and a little bit of inconvenience, you could easily miss the vision that is starting to take place before our eyes. I I just say, go and stand at the the foyer area there and look across into that cafe and see the future starting to come together. That big open space. Imagine people coming in and sitting down and being welcomed and a part of this community. And it's because we've given. You know, we drove a a stake into the ground last year and we said a whole stack of things. We've got to use this complex better to reach our community who thinks church is irrelevant. We said we will do whatever it takes to increase our own community. We said church has to be more than a Sunday service. We said excellence honors God and inspires people. We said we must make space for future generations. And if you have a look around and you see what God is doing, you can see this vision starting to take place. A cafe that will serve us on a Sunday and is being equipped to serve our community during the week, training rooms becoming available for our community and younger generations, a better set up for children and families. Beyond this, Cap Debt Centre has grown this year, going from one day to two, people being helped. Uh, CRI continuing to, to thrive. I, I've, word is sort of trickling through. They had a brilliant uh, fundraising dinner last night and, and, and Josie and, and the team did an incredible job pouring into that ministry and I think many, many people were there just pouring into, into that for the future. Vital Project keeps on training in their discipleship paradigm. You know, we had lives changed just last week with a big camp that they had. In India, just two months ago, a bunch of us visited and, and saw a whole floor that is there of a training complex because we gave as a church. We've managed to support Papua New Guinea with a with a trip, and I hope this has filtered through. We had 10,000 spare dollars uh, last year, this was, and uh, we had the choice. Do we just push it forward? It wasn't budgeted into our complex here, or, or do we just give it to Papua New Guinea? And we, we said, we're just going to give it to Papua New Guinea, and, and Rick was just blown away with that blessing. He, he spoke to me later and said it was exactly the right amount at the right time. You know, you've got to hear me, Catalyst, when I say well done. There is a big part of this that is well done. Uh, we are 99.5% on track with our pledges. What people have pledged to give has come in this year. By the end of this week, we'll be there. We will have done it. But the challenge remains. We're only two, uh, second year in, in a three-year project. We're, we're not even really halfway. When we look at this campus... Um, We're going great guns, but we're not quite there yet. We've got a vision for the future. We've got a playground that we want to see happen. The car park is just a bit out of our reach at the moment. 
the other ministries have need that is associated with them. And I wonder if you can just pull out your pledge card for a minute, and I just want to talk about that. I'll just grab mine.